The media fall back on gun control as their preferred narrative for the national shooting as new details and tape emerge. France braces for violence over raising the retirement age by two years, and 38 migrants burned to death at the Mexico-U.S. border. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Hey, hey, and welcome. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com Ben. So the intersectional victimhood hierarchy, it actually has some very real consequences. As it turns out, the logic of the left is now that if you are a trans person who murders a bunch of Christian school kids, this is the fault of a society that refused to accept you for who you truly are. This is the new narrative that has just dropped. It was only a matter of time, literally the minute that it became clear that a trans person had murdered a bunch of Christian school kids in Nashville. It was, it was obvious that the media were going to turn to the narrative that it's society's fault at large. It is your fault. If you refuse to accept that a boy can become a girl and a girl can become a boy, then if a person who is a woman who says she is a man murders a bunch of school kids, it's because of your lack of acceptance. If only you had been more accepting, then this would have stopped shootings like this one. If only you had shifted the entire realistic worldview that men and women are a sexual dichotomy. If only you had, had understood that that's a lie, then this wouldn't have happened. All those school kids would still be alive. And probably since this was a Christian school, they maybe a little deserved it because it's a Christian school and they probably were teaching kids that boys are boys and girls are girls and they weren't agreeing with this generalized worldview. So if a trans person shoots up a Christian school, well, it is sort of an act of resistance. This is the narrative the media are settling on right now. So there are new details that are now emerging in this horrific shooting at a Nashville school. Let's start with, with at least one act of, of bravery and heroism here. So the police officers in Nashville did not act like the police officers in Uvalde, Texas. They actually did what they were supposed to do. They ran toward the sound of fire. Here is a little bit of the video. And again, this is tremendous bravery by these officers. They did not stop for one second. They get out of that car. They run into the building. They run directly toward the sound of the gunshots and they take out this mass shooter. Here's a little bit of what that looked like. Go stairs, go stairs, go. Go, 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 police officers climbing the stairs. They're moving again toward the sound of gunshots. Keep pushing. Go. Shots fired, shots fired, shots fired, move. Right, right, right. Push with LPVO. Push with LPVO. Go right. Move, move. Watch out, watch out. Stop moving. Stop moving. That is the police taking out the shooter right there. So good for them for doing exactly what they were supposed to do here. That is Officer Rex Engelbert, one of those officers, and a second officer. Michael Colasso, they fatally shot the heavily armed 28-year-old shooter. So, again, good for the cops. Again, yeah, they, they, they can only react to something that's already happening. So some damage had already been done, but certainly more damage and more, more murder was prevented by these brave and heroic police officers. Now, we are learning more about the shooter, and it's predictably precisely what you would expect. The shooter was under psychiatric care. According to the Nashville police chief, this person was still able to buy, uh, buy some seven firearms and was able to obtain firearms legally. This has led to calls for red flag laws. Now, the next question that should be asked is whether the left would really be okay with a red flag law that said that because a person was under 
emotional care that they would be denied the ability to purchase a gun, particularly if that emotional care involved transgenderism. Because according to the left, again, it is perfectly normal to believe that you're a member of the opposite sex. There's nothing mentally disordered about that whatsoever. So using even that as a red flag, the left presumably would object to that. Here is the national police chief announcing the obvious. We've interviewed the parents of uh, Audrey Hale, and we've determined uh, that Audrey bought seven firearms uh, from five different uh, local gun stores here legally. Uh, they were legally purchased. Uh, three of those weapons were used yesterday uh, during this horrific tragedy uh, that happened. We know uh, that uh, they felt that she had one weapon uh, and that she sold it. She was under care, doctor's care, for an emotional disorder. Uh, law enforcement knew nothing about the treatment she was receiving. Well, maybe the vast incentivization by our society of that particular mental disorder, maybe a society that declares that mental disorders are not, in fact, mental disorders so long as they check particular political marks. Maybe that is part of the problem here. The Nashville police chief also announced that the school shooter wrote about several other locations in a manifesto. Now, it is worthwhile noting here that the Nashville police have not released the manifesto of this particular shooter. We've seen the manifesto of nearly every other shooter, many because they are posted online beforehand. But... Should the manifesto be released in this case? Well, I mean, absolutely, given the fact that there are now a bunch of rumors swirling about the school, there's a bunch of speculation about motive. A great way to clear all of that up is to actually release what is necessary about this person's manifesto, not to glorify what they are doing, but because it has now become an issue of public concern as to what drove the shooter, what the motivation actually was. We'll get into that in just a moment. Here's the Nashville police chief announcing that there were several other locations in the manifesto, which again demonstrates the heroism of the cops, because presumably if the cops hadn't been there, this person would have gone building to building shooting kids. What was, what was in the manifesto? So in the manifesto, there's several different writings about other locations. Uh, there were locations, uh, there was uh, talks about um, the school. There was a map of the school, a drawing of how uh, potentially she would enter and the assaults that would take place. That is the Nashville chief of police, John Drake, who again also announced that they have a manifesto, but they are not going to be releasing that manifesto. Again, to, to put a lot of rumors to bed, releasing at least enough of the manifesto so people understand the motive would probably be worthwhile at this point. All right, we'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, if you are looking at your portfolio these days, you are probably noticing that inflation has taken a real toll on your portfolio. And with the interest rates going up, that's going to take a further toll on your portfolio. One thing you might want to do is diversify at least a little bit into precious metals. Diversification has never been more important. It's the smart strategy. Everybody I know who's a sophisticated investor has diversified their investments. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extremely volatile market right now. This is why gold has historically been an excellent hedge against the stock market and against inflation. The company I trust to help you diversify into gold is Birch Gold Group. There's a reason I own gold from Birch Gold. You can do the same. Text Ben to 989898. Get a free info kit on gold today. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in physical precious metals. We've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews. Birch Gold is the company I trust to protect my future as well as yours. That's Ben to 989898 today. Again, diversification is just a smart strategy. Take at least a little bit of your money and put it in precious metals. Text Ben to 989898 today. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, does it make sense that a single company controls 90% of all internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between you and your online activity 
and the people who exploit that online activity. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send gets tracked and data mined. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, their software hides your IP address. This is something big tech can use to personally identify you. So ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. ExpressVPN does all of that without slowing your connection. What I like most about ExpressVPN, it's really easy to use. Download that app on your computer or phone, tap one button, you are now protected. So stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. Get three extra months for free. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben right now to learn more. Okay, so again, new details emerging about the shooter. Apparently, the shooter had sent final messages to a friend before going and murdering a bunch of school kids. The shooter texted to a friend, basically that post I made on here about you, that was basically a suicide note. I'm planning to die today. This is not a joke. You'll probably hear about me on the news after I die. This is my last goodbye. I love you. See you again in another life. And the friend wrote back, you have so much more life to live. I pray God keeps and covers you. And this person writes back, I know, but I don't want to live. I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to upset you or get attention. I just need to die. I wanted to tell you first because you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen and known all my life. My family doesn't know what I'm about to do. One day this will make more sense, but I've left more than enough evidence behind. But something bad is about to happen. Well, the friend immediately called the cops. Unfortunately, by the time the cops were called, it was too late to stop this person. She called the cops at 10.13 a.m. The shooting began at 10.14 a.m. So there just wasn't time for the cops to respond and stop this thing preemptively. But the narrative is already beginning to form here from the media. And the narrative is because, again, the media separates all the human populations into victims and victimizers, not based on their actions, based on their identities. So if you're a member of a victim class, you cannot by necessity be a victimizer in the same way that the left has redefined racism to mean racism plus power, which means that if you're a black person who hates white people, you can't be a racist because you're a member of a victimized class in that exact same way. If you're a trans person who shoots up a Christian school, you're a member of a victim class. The Christian school kids are not members of a victim class. Therefore, we must find a narrative that allows you to maintain your victimhood status. And that's precisely what the media have attempted to do today. The real victim here is not the school kids who are gunned down for their Christian beliefs. And by the way, this is, in fact, a hate crime. When a trans person goes to a Christian school and shoots up the school, that is no different than when a white supremacist goes to a Jewish synagogue and murders the constituents. There is no difference whatsoever. That is an ideologically motivated murder of innocent people. And that's exactly what apparently happened here. And so the media have immediately shifted into what some people online are calling Hamas mode. Hamas mode is where a terrorist group shoots a bunch of missiles into an innocent Jewish area, and the media have sympathy for the people shooting the missiles, so they turn it into cycle of violence. It must be because they're motivated to do this thing. Society has driven them to this extremism, and, and they, they've moved into that mode almost immediately. So, for example, the UK Daily Mail is now reporting, twisted school shooter was at odds with her devout Christian parents because they couldn't accept she was gay and transgender. Daily Mail can exclusively reveal. Church coordinator Norma, 61, her husband Ronald, 64, refused to let their daughter, who had recently adopted a male name and used he, him pronouns, dress as a man in their home. The 28-year-old loner would instead wait until she left their $700,000 Nashville property to change outfits, according to a well-placed source. She was a woman at home, but when she left the house, she changed clothes. They did know about it. They just didn't accept it. Neighbors in the tree-lined suburban street where the family lived for three decades said they were clueless about the apparent transition, remembered her as a skater tomboy type. She introduced herself about a year and a half ago by a female name, said one. I treated her like a female. She didn't correct me. She seemed artistic, quiet, and well-mannered. 
Police now say apparently that more attacks were, were on board. Now, again, the, the hijacking of a person's life by an ideology that is a lie, a lie that you can become a member of the opposite sex, and that is not the problem, according to the media. But when people have their minds perverted and twisted by a lie, that's not the problem. The problem is that you refuse to accept the lie as a general standard in society. And so now the left is split along two separate courses. One is to pretend that we can't identify the motive. We have no idea why this happened. It's all a mystery wrapped in an enigma. In the same way that the Fort Hood shooting was a mystery wrapped. We had no idea what the motive was. It was clear that the person, a Muslim who had murdered a bunch of American service members, that that person was doing so because that person had terrorist motives. We pretended for literally years, going, going back to the Bush administration, we pretended that that had nothing to do with Islamic motivation, radical Islamic motivation whatsoever. Because again, when you're a member of the quote unquote victimized class, we have to pretend away the motive. Or alternatively, we have to use some sort of jujitsu to determine that your motive was actually created by the intolerance of an evil society, an evil decadent society around you, a society that refuses to accept you as you are. And so you can see that split emerging on the left. On the one side, you have the people who are going to pretend that there is no motive. On the other side, they're going to say there is a motive, but the motive is really driven by those evil Christian people. It's really because the Christians are mean and nasty that all of this is happening. And so the big takeaway here from Christian school kids being murdered by a trans person is that Christians need to change. That's going to be the big takeaway right here. Get to that momentarily first. With the current rate of inflation, prices of essential goods are not going down anytime soon. Inflation is now baked into the cake. So you got to be looking at how you can cut your bills. Well, one way you can cut your bills is by taking a look at that phone bill. You've heard me talk a lot about supporting companies that support your values. This is one reason I'm a Pure Talk customer. They don't hate your guts. Also, they will save you a bunch of money. Switch right now in as little as 10 minutes at puretalk.com. Enter promo code Shapiro. Save 50% off your first month of coverage. Choose from a variety of unlimited talk and text plans with plenty of high-speed data, all backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year. No contract, no hidden fees, no hassle. Head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro to save 50% off your very first month and get an iPhone 12 for just 12 bucks a month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Why would you spend too much money on one of the big guys when you could be saving a lot of money by using Pure Talk? One of the things that I did is switched all of my business calls over to Pure Talk. The coverage is excellent. They have the same tower network as one of the big guys. So do the same thing I did. Head on over to puretalk.com. Use promo code Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick-charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So... I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I tell you that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so... Again, the, the, the left-wing line is now split along two separate headings. One is, we have no idea what the motive is. It's all a mystery. This is led by some of the political class, who are a little bit more cautious for the moment. And this would be led by, for example, Merrick Garland, the attorney general. So Merrick Garland was asked about the motive by Senator Kennedy from Louisiana. Why isn't this being investigated as a hate crime? I mean, normally, again, if the, you, you know if the situation were reversed. It not only would be addressed as a hate crime by Merrick Garland, 
Merrick Garland was literally trying to identify school parents who are being mean to school board members using the FBI. But apparently, Merrick Garland has no clue. It's, in, it's a mystery wrapped in enigma. There's no reason to suspect the motive in this particular case. Again, if the situation reversed, let's say that there were a straight white male who went to a progressive school in Santa Monica where there were a bunch of quote-unquote trans kids and started murdering the trans kids. Not only would the DOJ be investigating, it would be a two-year-long media news cycle about the intolerance of American society towards trans people, it would become the key issue in the 2024 presidential race. But if you're Merrick Garland, the head of the DOJ right now, you just can't tell. It's a mystery. Who knows? Here's Merrick Garland yesterday. Do you plan on opening a hate crime investigation for the targeting of Christians? The um, FBI and ATF are both uh, on the scene working with the um, uh, local police. Uh, as of now, motive hasn't been identified, and the police chief said at the last, at his last press conference, that they don't yet have reached a conclusion with respect to uh, motive. Uh, we are certainly working full time with them to try and determine what the motive is, and of course, motive is what determines whether it's a hate crime or not. Oh well, I mean, I guess I guess you, you do have to be very careful, like careful like Joe Biden. So the president of the United States, he was asked yesterday about the motivation in this particular case, and he, he sort of let the cat out of the bag. He, he kind of admitted that the narrative that he decides upon is essentially driven by reactionary politics. That if the right says that this is a hate crime against Christians, he will immediately shift into it's not a hate crime against Christians. Here is the president of the United States, our befuddled and bemused elderly gentleman. I have no idea. Josh Holy believes they were. What do you say to that? Well, I probably don't that. That is, what a perverse human being. I mean, seriously, that is just perverse. Senator Howley says that it might be a hate crime. Well, if he says it's a hate crime, I probably disagree. So in other words, you're just deciding on the narrative based on what your political opponents say. You're not going to look at the facts. You're not going to examine the actual issue here. You're just going to decide that based on the fact that Josh Howley said a thing, it can't be true. And the, I don't know, I don't know. By the way, making jokes at this time also. Can you imagine any other mass shooting situation in which the president of the United States is making jokes? Making actual jokes? By the way, this is the second straight day that he has done this. You'll recall that yesterday, Joe Biden, when he was talking about this, he came down and made jokes about ice cream to open his presser on this particular issue. There is no other. The victims have something to do with this. Again, the narrative rules all. And for the left, number one move here is just pretend they don't know the motive. And number two move is going to be blaming Christians and conservatives for a trans person murdering Christian conservative children, presumably. On the, on the we have no idea what happened side of the ledger, or we must obscure what happened side of the ledger, you have Reuters. So Reuters put out a tweet yesterday that says, quote, former Christian school student kills three children, three staff in national shooting. Oh, is that, is that what's happening here? Uh, it's a former Christian school student. Now, this is just obviously perversity by omission because we all know what exactly happened here. The story here is not disgruntled former Christian school student, deranged former Christian school. The, the story here is trans person who apparently was motivated by anti-Christian animus did this. I mean, like this is, this, nothing is being hidden. All of this is now coming out. But the, the media have now shifted into defense mode. So Christian school kids get murdered by a trans person. Who are the real victims? The trans community. That's who the real victims are. Shades of after 9-11, we, we have to be very careful that too many peaceful Muslims getting targeted on the streets. You remember, there was nothing but 10 years of stories about how Muslims had it really, really hard in America after 9-11. How Muslims were, were the real victims here. 
this the media the media love this this kind of stuff because again they have a preset narrative it's all about identity class if you're a member of a protected identity class and somebody from your identity class does something bad that person didn't do something bad you maintain your victimhood status and that must be maintained above all well, so wh- why by the way does the left insist why do progressives insist on this division between the victims and the victimizers based on identity not based on action because if you admit that individuals should be judged based on their actions, that you are either a victim or a victimizer based on what you do, it destroys their entire worldview. Their entire worldview is predicated on the idea that the system is dominated by victimizers. People who are successful are victimizers. People who are marginalized or unsuccessful, those people are victims of the society. And they are going to create a coalition of the victimized in order to take on the victimizers and recapture the center of all morality in American politics. That is presumably the goal here. That's, that's the only thing that can explain the politically motivated narrative making that's happening right here. So, for example, NBC News put out a piece yesterday titled, Fear Pervades Tennessee's Trans Community Amid Focus on Nashville Shooters' Gender Identity. Quote, we were already fearing for our lives. Now it's even worse. Oh, trans people are fearing for their lives. You know who was actually fearing for their lives? Would have been the Christian school children who were murdered. That would be the people who were fearing for their lives, legitimately, since three of them are dead, plus our three adults at this Christian school. But according to NBC News, the real threat, the real victims here are members of the trans community. Quote, shortly after news broke Monday of a fatal shooting at a private Christian national elementary school, police said the suspect was transgender. This detail, according to trans people in the state, has poured fuel on an already combustive environment that has led many of them to fear for their safety. Well, I mean, that's clearly the, the real victim, the real victims. Now, We've spent zero time on the actual victims here. The media have spent zero time on, you know, the targeting of Christians. If you wanted to tie this into a broader narrative about the victimized in American society, and you're talking about the murder of Christians, perhaps you should talk about, you know, the widespread vandalism of churches that's been happening in the aftermath of Roe versus Wade, for example. The widespread vandalism against pro-life centers that's been happening. The DOJ refuses to investigate any of those sorts. Of, again, those are not the victimized. They have too much power in American society. So we're not going to focus on the people who actually got shot. We're going to focus on their families or their community. We're going to focus on the real victims, people who have ideological kinship with the shooter. Those are the people who we really need to focus on. That's it. That, not that they are responsible for the shooting. They're not responsible for the shooting. But we have to focus on people who share the general ideology that men can be women and women can be men. Those are the real victims. Denise Sadler, according to NBC News, a drag performer who is transgender, said she had already hired four armed guards before Monday's shooting to secure a drag show she is hosting at a gay bar in Nashville this weekend. Following the anti-trans rhetoric spawned by the shooting, Sadler says she is now planning to hire eight. You don't know if the shooter's gender identity is going to trigger a community of people who already hated us to come and try to shoot us to prove a point, said Sadler. At the end of the day, there's a lot of hurt going on. There's a lot of anger going on. There's a lot of confusion going on. Say again. But we, we have to focus on the people who really are suffering. The trans people, not the members of the community. That, that's one radical group said this out loud. The Trans Resistance Network, a far-left transgender collective, they put out a statement on Monday calling the mass murder a dual tragedy. The group said that the first tragedy was the death of the kids and the adults, but there's a second and more complex tragedy, and that is the tragedy of the shooter who felt she had no other effective way to be seen than to lash out by taking the life of others and by consequences himself. Ah, yes, it's, it's a dual victim. The Trans Radical Network wrote, they do not claim to know the individual or have access to their inner thoughts and feelings, but they do know that life for transgender people is very difficult and made more difficult in the preceding months by a virtual avalanche of anti-trans legislation and public call-outs by right-wing personalities and political figures for nothing less than the genocidal eradication of trans people from society. Is it possible that radicalization toward violence takes place because you keep claiming that if we in the rational community, forget conservative leftists, the rational community who believe that there are men and there are women and men can't become women. 
Is it possible that when you say that we are genociding you, that this leads to radicalization? That that is a radicalizing worldview? We'll get to more on that in just one second. First, you know what America could use a little bit more of is God. Yeah, we can use a little bit more religion. We can use a little more values in our life. Just like physical exercise, daily spiritual exercise is critical to America's well-being and your well-being, especially now with insanity all around us. There's no better time to be rooted in your faith. Hallow helps you maintain a daily prayer routine. It's filled with studies, meditations, reflections rooted in Judeo-Christian prayer practices. You can pray alongside Mark Wahlberg, Jonathan Roymey, who portrays Jesus in The Chosen, even some world-class athletes. You can access the number one Christian podcast Bible in a year with Father Mike Schmitz on Hallow. I'm not a Lent keeper, obviously. I'm an Orthodox Jew. But it is a powerful spiritual time for many Christians to abstain from luxuries and more deeply embrace their faith. Hallow can be an amazing resource at this time. It's really important that people re-embrace their faith, that people re-embrace church. If you're a Christian, you need to re-embrace the values that that unite you with a godly system of morality. Try Hallow for three months free at hallow.com slash Shapiro. That's H-A-L-L-O-W dot com slash Shapiro. Again, hallow.com slash Shapiro for three months free hallow.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so the the folks on the TikToks, they, they've been promoting the same ideology. The ideology is, of course, that the real victim here is the trans shooter. So here's one TikToker saying that uh, the Nashville shooting victims would, would be alive today if it were not for the quote-unquote anti-trans bills in the Tennessee legislature. I wonder if the parents of the victims of the Nashville shooting today would still have their children if these trans bills in Tennessee were never a thing. I'm not a parent, but if I were, I'd be real, real mad at the government. I'd be real, real mad at the government. Oh, well, um, that's, uh, you're mad at the government now. So that's, that's, yes, clearly the problem is discrimination against the trans community by the Tennessee legislature. Which, of course, means that apparently trans people get to, get to shoot Christian school kids. Here's another TikToker who's uh, going even further, suggesting that it's time for trans people to... Re- this is after the shooting. Trans people must violently resist the predations of the surrounding society. Those predations include the idea that men cannot be women. Trans people in Tennessee, it's time to f***ing fight. Trans allies in Tennessee, it's time to f***ing fight. Trans women, if they lock you up for identifying as a woman, fight, resist. You're going to die anyways. We're going to die anyways. It's time to f***ing resist. Fight them. Hurt them. If they put their hands on you, beat them. I, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, like, the, the, again, the, the, the violent, the call to actual violence by some folks is now considered perfectly within boundaries because, after all, American society is filled with bigotry. By the way, it's not just random TikTokers. The press secretary for the governor of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, put out a totally insane tweet. How insane was this tweet? The, the press secretary now had to protect her own Twitter feed. She went private. Her name is Jocelyn Berry. This is after the shooting. She put up a tweet. It's a picture of a woman with two guns pointing off camera. And it says, us, when we see transphobes. So literally in the aftermath of the murder of kids by a trans person, the press secretary to Katie Hobbs put up a tweet saying, us when we see transphobes with guns pointing. Absolutely nuts. But again, this is, all of this is, is well within boundaries, apparently. It's all that, because all that matters really is that the narrative be preserved. Oliver Willis of the Execrable Media Matters, he tweeted out, quote, a few months ago, I wrote about how Der Sturmer, a pro-Nazi paper in the 1930s and 40s Germany, laid the groundwork for the Holocaust by linking every crime to Jewish people. Anyway, here is the front page of Rupert Murdoch's New York Post today. 
all the New York Post said was transgender killer targets Christian school, which is exactly what happened. So it's like Der Sturmer now. Like if you, and that was retweeted, of course, by Alejandra Caraballo, the trans activist who's at one of the Harvard Law School associated bodies. It's just, it's just gaslighting and insanity. Next level insanity. And, and, and this has become quasi mainstream, apparently. I mean, this is apparently the, um, the Minnesota lieutenant governor, Peggy Flanagan, was caught wearing a shirt that says protect trans kids with a knife on it. It's like, uh, again, imagine the situation being reversed and you know exactly what everybody would be saying. You know exactly what everybody... Cenk Uyghur, he tweeted out, right wing seems to celebrate the Nashville shooter was trans as if that vindicates them. WTF? Doesn't that prove that maybe you guys shouldn't bully people about who they are? If you think the answer is more bullying, you missed the point and are probably a terrible person. And it's your fault. You have to buy into delusions. And if you don't buy into the delusions, you're responsible for whatever the delusional people do. And that's, okay, all of this is line number two. So line number one is we're going to pretend the motive doesn't exist. Line number two is it's your fault. You're a person who doesn't believe in delusions. If you believed in delusions, if you, if you clapped hard enough for Tinkerbell, then none of this would have happened in the first place, is the idea. And then there's line number three, which is, of course, the traditional gun control line from the left. Now, the, the, the most irritating form of this line is coming courtesy of people like John Stewart, but now being repeated across the media as though it's a smart point, even though it is a ridiculously stupid point. You remember that John Stewart had on a state legislator, I believe it was from Oklahoma, talking about some bills that were attempting to restrict trans indoctrination of kids. And he was like, well, you know, guns kill kids. Gun, and I don't see you banning guns, which, of course, is a complete non sequitur. What you are trying to prevent is the indoctrination of children into a gender cult that screws with their brains. On the one hand. On the other, you're talking about the complexity of a Second Amendment right. There are already laws against people shooting kids. There are already laws against, for example, people bringing guns into schools in most of these places, if you, particularly if you're not licensed. Okay, th- this is obviously true, okay, but it doesn't matter. John Stewart said it, so we have to pretend it's intelligent, and then we have to repeat it over and over and over. So CNN's Brian Kayyem was doing this routine yesterday, saying pronouns don't kill kids, guns do. Well, as it turns out, the ideology that promotes the idea, the delusional notion that, that men can be women and women can be men, and that if society refuses to accept you, then society is to blame. And perhaps, perhaps violent activity against that society is justified. Maybe that ideology is, in fact, quite radical. But again, the idea here is we have to ignore this one issue. Stop paying attention to this issue over here that's really disturbing and, and, and messed up. Stop paying attention. Let's pay attention to guns. We can't walk and chew gum at the same time. It's, it is amazing how for the left, the inanimate object suddenly becomes the root of all evil the minute that the person wielding the inanimate object seems to be on their own ideological side. This is where we have to now focus on an important part of, of an agenda, which includes mental health, protecting our kids, fortifying schools, but also the connectivity, which is a certain kind of gun. I, I, you know, look, pronouns... Pronouns do not kill children, right? People with guns kill children, and it's going to be a distraction in our coverage and keep us from what we now know, which is each of these cases has a similarity uh, more than any difference. Oh, it's the gun, the gun. Right, okay. So then you have Joy Reid doing the same routine. This is Joy Reid, again, suggesting that we, we must ignore all of the gender ideology issues surrounding this particular case and focus in on gun control. 
But you have this in the state of Tennessee, which, you know, ironically is the Scopes monkey trial state, right, where they used to have a law against teaching evolution in public high schools, in public schools. They now are racing to enact these First Amendment limiting laws to limit things like drag shows. You have rampant book banning. I think Tennessee might be the most aggressive book banning state, even more so than Florida. And so they're essentially saying it's too dangerous to allow children to be exposed to a drag show. A drag queen is as dangerous to children. These books are dangerous to children. But when it comes to guns, they're like, no, put more guns where children are. It is it is an irony that's hard to get away from during this time of moral panic over books, history and drag shows. So just to be clear about this, she's saying that kids should be able to view pornography in order to protect them. Is that is that apparently her connection here? I'm, I'm, I'm missing the counter logic. Like, I need to hear her argument explicitly spelled out. I guess the idea is that if we ban guns but gave kids pornography, that's the solution. That's it. Weird, by the way, if there had been somebody on premises with a gun, to st- it turns out it took a person with a gun to stop the, the evil person with the gun. In this case, as in nearly all other cases, it took an actual human with a gun to stop the bad person who was carrying a gun. There wasn't a school resource officer on campus, anywhere on campus at this time. And we'll get to more on the gun control push in just one second first. Let's talk about the fact your business has gone through a rough time over the past few years, whether you are talking about COVID, when your business had to shut down because the government made you shut down, whether you're talking about Biden inflation, whether you're now talking about economic stagnation, you need to get some of the money back you shouldn't have paid to the federal government. It turns out a lot of people overpaid to the federal government during COVID because there was, in fact, something called the employee retention credit that was available to you during COVID. If you didn't take advantage of it, then you lost out. Or did you? You need to claw that money back by going to getrefunds.com. Innovation Refunds knows the value of your time. That's why they made it easy to apply for the employee retention credit. Go to GetRefunds.com to get started in less than eight minutes. See if your business qualifies for ERC assistance. Your business might be eligible for a payroll tax rebate of up to 26 grand per employee kept on payroll during COVID-19. Innovation Refunds has already helped clients claim over $3 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC that might be able to help your business as well. There's no upfront charge. They don't get paid until your business gets its refund. Don't miss this opportunity. The payroll tax refund is only available for a limited amount of time. Go to GetRefunds.com. Again, that is GetRefunds.com. GetRefunds.com. Go check them out right now. Also, one of the biggest differences between Christianity and Judaism is the way in which topics like lust and adultery are approached. In episode 12 of Jordan Peterson's series on the book of Exodus, Dennis Prager addressed this topic head on. In addition to Dennis, I joined Jordan alongside a group of esteemed scholars, theologians, and artists to discuss one of the most seminal books in the Bible. I am less interested in the interior person, morally speaking, than you are. Than and probably any of you are. And it's largely, I do believe, because I come from a behaviorist law-based religion. We care how you act. That's why we don't have a claim that if you look at another woman with lust, it's as if you've committed adultery with her. I I am, as I said yesterday, I I thank God for America's Christians. And uh, Maimonides said, if it weren't for Christians, the world wouldn't know about the Torah. So uh, I'm a big Christian fan, but obviously Christianity and Judaism are not identical religions. Uh, and, and we have no equivalent that if you look upon another woman with lust, it's as if you have committed adultery with your heart. There's only one way to commit adultery in Judaism, and it's with a different organ. And I'm not being cute. I'm, I'm being very realistic. It is a fantastic series. It was a privilege for me to take part in it. I think you'll find it really insightful and interesting. New episodes are coming online every single week exclusively for Daily Wire Plus members. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch Exodus. 
Okay, so the Nashville mayor has decided that he is going to jump in on the action. The push for gun control is renewed. Now, it's not going anywhere because, again, the left actually has no solution to the problem of mass shootings. It turns out that rifles are used in a wild minority of shootings in the United States. The vast majority of shootings in the United States happen with handguns. There's no actual efficacy-laden plan for gun control that has had any marked impact on mass shootings in the United States. That's not the way that this works. But here's the national mayor blaming inanimate objects. Guns lead to tragedies. And whatever your political feelings are, we should not be celebrating the cult of the gun. And uh, we country needs to pick itself up and say no to an assault weapons lobby that, uh, again, is making it too available and too convenient and too first of mind for people to go out and commit terrible acts. The cult of the gun. The cult of the gun. Again, I have a question. Who's a member of the cult of guns? You worship the gun? Who worships guns? Like really, the cult. You know it's a cult? A cult is believing something that is completely delusional, like men can become women. That's a cult. That's an actual cult. And if you don't believe in the rites and rituals of the cult, well then you must atone. But... According to the left, there's a cult of the gun, wherein you you love guns more than you love children. No one believes this. I'm a gun owner. I have three kids going on four. The reason I own my guns is to protect my kids. This happens to be true for the vast majority of gun owners. But again, the idea that the gun is the problem, really what that is, is that's a substitute for the idea that gun owners are the problem. that, That really is the lie, okay? When they say that they want gun control, what they really mean is that they don't trust a huge percentage of Americans with guns. And they never explain exactly who they want to remove the guns from. In fact, Joe Biden will go out of his way to say, no, 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 I don't mean like normal American citizen, but he does mean normal American citizen, obviously. So our doddering president yesterday decided to speak about all of this. First of all, I I just, I wish to note here that, you know, it's beating a dead horse, almost literally, because the president of the United States is not with us. He's just not with us. Here's a clip of the president of the United States being told literally where to walk by people. I mean, it's just, ah, placing, placing, Alzheimer's-ridden grandpa in the family photo over here. Down here? Yes, sir. Down the ramp. And we have people lined up on the left over here. Uh, some union leaders and workers. Hey, guys and ladies. Your mark is going to be the blue one to the left. How y'all doing? You've got a blue mark, and that's okay. I got, I'll stay in my blue mark, and then I'm going to say load each one of you. Yes, sir. I'm going to, I'll, I'll help you get started. Hmm. Hmm. So, um, yeah, things are going well. Here's President Biden pushing gun control yesterday. These are weapons of war. I'm a Second Amendment guy. No, you're not. I have two shotguns. My sons have shotguns. You know, but our states, you know, everybody thinks somehow the Second Amendment is absolute. You're not allowed to go out and own a an automatic weapon. You're not allowed to own a machine gun. You're not allowed to own a flamethrower. You're not allowed to own so many other things. You are allowed to own a flamethrower. Why in God's name do we allow these weapons of war on our streets and at our schools? He's not a Second Amendment guy. By, by the way, who is... I have a question. W- was the gun at the school wielded by a legal gun-owning teacher at the school? Like, who was in favor of a trans murderer at the school with the gun? Like, name the person who's like, oh, that sounds like a great idea to me. I would love to have this murderer at the school with the gun. Like, who's... It's such a lie, but again, it's, it's all just emotional blackmail. Here's Karine Jean-Pierre, the world's worst press secretary, saying to Republicans, what would you say to these parents? What would you say to the parents? Um, I have many things to say to the parents. The first thing I would say to the, par- to the parents is, I'm so sorry this happened to your kids. Your kids are the victims, not the shooter. That's the first thing that I would say to the parents. That's the first thing I would say to the parents. You won't say that to the parents. 
And it, what would you say to the parents? By the way, do they even bother to ask how many of these parents themselves are gun owners? I guarantee you the answer is a lot of them. This is Nashville, Tennessee at a Christian school. But Corinne Jean-Pierre knows best. And she, she, she's, she's all sympathy. It's all, she's all sympathy. What I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? What are you going to say to these parents? You're going to say to them the same thing that, that you say to everybody who's been affected by a tragedy or an act of evil. You sit with them in silence because there's no good answer to the problem of human evil. There's no amazing answer to the problem of human evil. And the stuff that is preventable is precisely the stuff that you won't let anyone do. Like, for example, monitor people with symptoms of severe mental illness. It's, it's unbelievable. Meanwhile, you have the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten, saying we need gun control. Like, you want to talk about people who have no leg to stand on on any moral grounds. Randy Weingarten, who forcibly shut down school, schools for kids for like two years and who's presided over the destruction of the American public school system, she has thoughts on gun control. Today, we renew our call for common sense gun safety legislation, including a ban on assault weapons. This is an epidemic. It's an epidemic that our great nation must solve. And how many lives will be shattered before we have the courage to do what Scotland did, what Australia did, what New Zealand did, what other great democracies do. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to all Democrats embracing the idea that we need a massive gun confiscation plan. Let's see how that goes over electorally. Uh, the reason Democrats keep, keep spitting into the wind here is because, specifically because they know it's going nowhere. Meanwhile, the media have jumped into this and they're going to try to use corporate pressure now to cudgel all of the corporations into, into pushing gun control. So the Washington Post yesterday decided to run a graphic showing the damage done from a bullet fired by an AR-15. I mean, as though a bullet fired from a handgun wouldn't be damaging enough to kill somebody, despite the fact the vast majority of killings in the United States occur using a handgun. So here's a little bit of their graphic display. The piece is called The Blast Effect. This is how bullets from an AR-15 blow the body apart. And they say, editor's note, we are publishing these 3D animations to show the destructive power of the AR-15. These images may disturb some people. Again, the idea is that AR-15, if you don't have an AR-15, then uh, nobody is actually going to die. That AR-15s are going to save Banning AR-15s is the solution. And the, the data just don't exist to promote this idea. You know, you can do this about literally any weapon. I noticed one thing that they're not doing is a, is a series on the damage done by a knife to the chest. Like, is it not perfectly obvious that an AR-15 fired at someone can kill someone? This is literally what you are taught. This is the first thing that you are taught when you, are, when you begin to, to use a gun. Is it never point the gun in a direction where, it, it's, where you're not prepared to fire the gun because it will destroy whatever you point at. This is literally the first thing that you are taught. Not number two, number one, never point the gun in a direction where you're not willing to have it fired. And then the second thing you're taught is don't have your finger on the, I mean, like trigger control, right? That, like these are the things that you are taught at the very beginning of learning how to use a gun. Everyone understands the destructive power of a gun. That's why they buy it. Okay, but, that's, but the, the, entire, the entire point that's being made by the corporations is, well, what if we just ban this? So CNN is already tweeting out, in the aftermath of the latest mass shooting at a school in Nashville, most companies declined to speak out. Much of corporate America has grown silent on guns. Ah, their silence is deafening. Their silence is deafening. Ah, so the people to blame now. So we now have a new list of people to blame. So the people to blame for a trans shooter murdering Christian kids are, in order, the parents of the, of the trans shooter for not being accepting enough of trans identity, Christians generally for not being accepting enough 
of trans identity, Republicans for not being in favor of gun control, and corporations for not sounding off on gun control. You know who I noticed is missing that list? The trans shooter. That's the person who I noticed is missing from your list. You seem damned eager to make sure that that person is never blamed because that might tie into broader ideological concerns that you would like to avoid. And this, of course, was the, the approach. The, the only reason to watch The View is because it is the dumbed-down version of every pseudo-sophisticate argument that is made on the left. So Whoopi Goldberg yesterday, the repository of all morality on the left, she says, I'm tired of your 75 guns. You're, okay, so I have a question. Did any of my guns do anything? They didn't. I noticed. They're still in my safe. Did, did any of your guns do anything yesterday? Probably not. But apparently it's your 75 guns that Whoopi is deeply worried about, you know, guarded by armed guards over at the, at the local affiliate studios. He said, okay, if we can't move in assault weapons ban, I would be willing to say, why don't we put in place trainings, background checks, mental health screenings to be able to have one? Why are we compromised? Well, why are we, and you, know what I'm, you know what I'm tired of? I, I don't mean to, to be rude to, to, to cut you off. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of trying to find a way to justify mm-hmm. you being able to keep 75 guns in your house. I am tired of trying to figure out a way to, to say, listen, We have rules and regulations. The Constitution is very clear. Scalia changed the meaning of what the Constitution says. Oh, yeah. Constitutional scholar Whoopi Goldberg is on the is on the move here, taking on Antonin Scalia. I I just have a question for for Whoopi Goldberg. What does Article one do? How about two or three? What does Article four do, Whoopi? Her knowledge of the Constitution is uh, about as deep as her understanding of Holocaust history. Meanwhile, Joy Behar on the same show, she says that really what's happening here is that the gun lobby wants kids to die. The, the avoidance here is astonishing. It's astonishing. Again, if the situation were reversed, if this had been a straight white man shooting up, quote unquote, trans kids at a progressive school in Santa Monica, we all know what the subject would be. But for the left, it's gun control and the cruelties of American society to trans people. It's, it's maddening. The next mass shooter is planning their shooting. What will this chamber do about it? Nothing. They'll do nothing. They do nothing. It's all about the money. You know, Marsha Blackburn is a senator from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, She, of course, sent out her thoughts and prayers. She is 13th on a list of senators who received the most money from the NRA. Um, she received over 1.3 million in donations while representing a state with 1,273 gun deaths a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, follow the money. This is what this is all about, the gun lobby. All these people who are selling guns, they make a lot of money off of children's deaths, apparently, in this country. God, these people are t- they're, they're so They're so tiresome. They're so tiresome. The, the stupidity of, of people like Joy Behar, that somebody disagrees with you, so it's about the money. Fine, I can, do the, I can play this game too. Maybe the reason that Joy Behar believes what she believes is because it's about the money. She doesn't get paid to be on The View and have rational views. She gets paid to be on The View and be a moron. Maybe that's, so it's about the money. I'm going to assume that she doesn't actually believe any of the things she says. It's because her advertisers want her to keep saying that stuff. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Or maybe Marsha Blackburn believes, like a huge majority of Americans, that there are gun rights under the Second Amendment and that my ownership of a gun is not responsible for a trans person shooting up a bunch of Christian school kids. God, it's, it's, so, it's so disgusting. It truly is. I mean, the, the media are just vile. In their, when, when, when school kids get shot in Parkland, then we have a, a, a vast display from CNN, where we drag Marco Rubio before the 15-minute the hate crowd and we shout at him in front of a crowd about how he hasn't done enough on gun control. 
When a trans person shoots Christian kids, we're like, oh, well, you know, we're not gonna talk about the Christian school being victimized. That, we don't know the motive. We're not gonna talk about the ideology of the trans shooter. That's, that's off limits. Let, let's talk about the gun some more. Maybe we can drag Marco Rubio out here. Maybe it's Marco Rubio's fault. Maybe it's Marsha Blackburn's fault. Or maybe you guys don't actually wanna solve any problems. Maybe what you are all about is the preservation of that core ideology, victims, victimizers, and, and people cannot shift classes. You cannot be a member of the victimized class and also be a victimizer. That's all, it's just preservation of the narrative at all costs. That's all that matters is preservation of the narrative if you're on the left. And damned if, if people's lives get in the, who cares? Who cares? Meanwhile, over in France, apparently democracy is not under threat in France. It is amazing how the media have decided where democracy is under threat and where democracy is not under threat. So right now in France, there's an actual attempt at seizure of power that does not belong to the executive branch by Emmanuel Macron. He's attempting to ram through an unpopular retirement reform under which he's going to raise France's legal retirement age from 62 to 64 without a vote. He's going to ram it through parliament without a vote. And hundreds of thousands of people are protesting. Apparently, according to the Interior Ministry of France, there have been 740,000 protesters that is down from more than a million five days ago. But there's hundreds of thousands of people in the street over there. It's not a threat to democracy. It's only a threat to democracy when it's a right-wing government and it's being protested by left-wingers. Then the right-wing government is a threat to democracy, even what they're pushing for is more democracy, right? Over in Israel, if there if they're people blocking freeways and shutting down airports illegally, if they're doing all of that in the name of preserving judicial authoritarianism, they're just trying to stop the threat to democracy. If in France, there are massive protests against Emmanuel Macron, who's not a person of the right, that's, Macron is not threatening democracy, obviously. He's just doing the right thing. It, 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 the, the political bias of the media is truly an astonishing, astonishing thing. Well, one of the things that's happening here is, is basically France is recognizing the reality of its own fiscal insanity. And when I say France, I mean Macron. Macron is right on the issue. There's no question that France has to raise its retirement age. By the way, there's no question the United States needs to raise its retirement age. All of these social security programs are bankrupt. They're all pyramid schemes reliant on generations yet to be born and will not be born given the reproductive rates in the West. And it's a simple fact of the matter. Right now, if you look at the unfunded pension liabilities in France, like 200% of GDP, if you look at the unfunded pension liabilities in the United States, it's, it's just as much. I mean, it's, it's actually way higher in the United States. There are certain estimates that suggest that the unfunded pension liabilities in the United States amount to like 700% of GDP. Like, it's totally insane. We're going to have to reshift all of these social security and welfare structures because, again, they were pay-it-forward structures that were not input-defined. They were benefits-defined. They, they were they were defined benefits plan, not defined contribution plans. And so now we're going to be forced to take austerity measures. But the problem is that when you make people promises, then they want those promises to be kept, even if it's not possible. So you have a new day of action in France. The day of action is the 10th since protests began in mid-January against the law, which includes retiring the retirement, includes raising the retirement age from 62 to 64, according to France 24. The interior minister said 13,000 members of the security forces would be deployed on Tuesday, 5,500 in Paris alone. So people are taking to the barricades because they're really, really pissed that their lives are going to get slightly harder in that they will have to work into, you know, late middle age. They might have to work until they are 64. Now, the French way of life, which is essentially 35-hour work week and retire when you're 62 so that you can paint on the, on the, on the Seine, like, it, uh, that, that's under threat if you'd have to work for a couple extra years. It's, you know, the, the, the West has yet to come to grips with the fact that it signed a bunch of really bad contracts in order to gain votes. And so a lot of people have now got it in their heads that these are entitlements owed to them. Welfare was never an entitlement. It was a... It was a privilege, not an entitlement. But the, the simple fact that, that there are so many people who have taken it now as an entitlement means that anytime you attempt to revise that bargain, 
people are going to lose their minds. The same thing is going to happen here in the United States as well. If you think that it's not going to happen, you're totally wrong. It's why both parties right now are kicking the can down the road on entitlement reform, which everyone acknowledges, everyone, right, left, and center, everyone knows the entitlements are bankrupt in the United States. They just refuse to say it out loud because they're afraid of the political blowback. It's the third rail of politics. When even Emmanuel Macron is now generating fires in the streets, you, you can see that the West is about to run headlong into reality. Reality never loses. Meanwhile, I have to say, it is, it is quite amazing how the media cover immigration. So if Donald Trump were president right now, then he would be the one being blamed for the death of 38 people in a blaze at a Mexican detention facility. According to the New York Times, Katiuska Marquez said she was begging for money on the streets of Ciudad Juarez on Monday afternoon when Mexican migration officers took her and her family to a migration detention facility just across the border from El Paso. Hours later, the 23-year-old Venezuelan was released along with her two young kids and husband. She said the authorities wouldn't release her older brother, Orlando Maldonado. One of the last things her brother told her, she said, was don't let me die. That night, a fire broke out inside the facility, killing at least 38 people, injuring 28 others. 68 men from Central and South America were being detained at the facility, according to the Mexican government. The site of the fire is like, we're talking like right next to the U.S.-Mexico border. This is a detention facility that is, that is directly across the border from El Paso. One of the reasons that this detention facility exists is because this massive crush of migrants at the border and then the held in Mexico policy has created an extraordinary surge of people being held in really cramped and crowded conditions across the border. If Donald Trump were the president right now, the media would be blaming his evil and vile immigration policy for the deaths in Ciudad Juarez. They're not doing that right now. Instead, they're suggesting that it's just you know, it's kind of Mexico's fault, really. Now, there, there are certain people who are, who are calling out the Biden administration. Rachel Schmidtke, a senior advocate for Latin America at Refugees International, says alongside the Mexican, Mexican government, the U.S. has direct responsibility for what happens to migrants in Mexico because they force people to stay in Mexico. But the real answer here is that it is the fault of a government in the United States that incentivizes illegal immigration. The border surge that has happened under Joe Biden is unprecedented in American history. It's extraordinary and unprecedented, and it's leading to overcrowded conditions at the border. Meanwhile, the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, he has no answers as to as to exactly how to handle the border. Here he was yesterday testifying in front of Congress. He, was, um, he, he would not say that there was a crisis at the border. People are getting burned to death just across the border. And Mayorkas is like, well, I'm not going to say there's a crisis. He was asked, I believe, five separate times by Ted Cruz. Is there a crisis at our southern border? Senator, uh, there is a very significant... That, that's a yes or no question. There's a very significant... Is there a crisis? Senator, there's a very significant challenge... I think your microphone is not on. There is a very significant challenge that we are facing. Yes or no, the is there border. a crisis? I believe I've addressed that question. So you're Senator. refusing to answer? Senator, uh, there is a very significant challenge. and we Will you are answer if there's a crisis? Therefore, we are dedicating the resources. Okay, so you're refusing we- to answer. Well, you're and President Biden's chief of the Border Patrol in a sworn deposition in July of 2022 when asked, would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the southern border is currently in crisis? Answer, yes. Notice, none of those wiggle words, none of that equivocation. One word, one syllable, yes. But apparently, according to Mayorkas, we don't actually have a crisis at the border. Certainly not a crisis that has anything to do with Joe Biden. Meanwhile, he can't even say if Mexico's a reliable partner on immigration. Here he was yesterday. Okay. Uh, you agree Blinken, with man. Secretary Blinken that there are parts of Mexico run by drug cartels? I do. Okay. Do you consider Mexico a reliable partner in this fight? regarding fentanyl and legal immigration. Um, Ranking Member Graham, we, we are working with Mexico uh, on the fight against uh, fentanyl. We are they a reliable brought, partner? We have brought great cases uh, together, and we are looking to enhance okay. our cooperation. 
Well, I mean, that's that's good. Everything is under control, guys. Everything is just fine. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. Apparently, a court has now reinstated Adnan Syed's murder conviction in that serial case. So you remember that there is a man named Adnan Syed. He was convicted of murder of his former high school girlfriend way back when. And then there was a podcast called Serial, became the most popular podcast in America, and it called into question whether Adnan Syed had actually committed the murder. The suggestion was, of course, that it was some sort of systemic bigotry that led to the arrest and conviction of Adnan Syed. Well, now the appellate court of Maryland has ruled that a trial court had violated the right of Young Lee, the brother of Hai Min Lee, the victim, to have been notified of and to attend the hearing in September where a judge vacated Syed's conviction. Now, the reason that the judge vacated Syed's conviction was not because the evidence actually demonstrated that he was innocent, per se. The reason that the the judge vacated the conviction is because Marilyn Mosby, the district attorney in Baltimore, decided that she wanted to make some headlines, and so Adnan Syed should be released. Well, now, in a two-to-one decision, the appeals court ordered the trial court to hold a new hearing on the motion to vacate Syed's conviction that would give Lee enough notice to attend in person, unlike the previous hearing, which he joined via Zoom. That doesn't mean that Syed has to immediately go back to prison. Sanford applauded the appeals court for agreeing with Lee that the trial court had violated his right to be given adequate notice of the hearing in September and to be physically present at the hearing. The, uh, the decision, according to Doug Colbert, a law professor over at University of Maryland, said it was stunning and surprising. Now, the, one, one of the things that, that happens to be true about this particular case is that there is very good evidence that Adnan Sayan actually murdered the victim in this particular case. I understand that, that we can build now crime podcasts in which podcasters pour over the old files and look at the defense case and they try to prove that the defense case was actually plausible. But the reality is that you had an accomplice who testified at the trial that he helped Syed bury the victim's body in a public park. There was cell, to- cell phone evidence, like cell tower evidence, showing Syed's phone in the park on the night in question. The witness said, there's nothing that's going to change the fact this guy drove up in front of my grandmother's house, popped the trunk, and had his dead girlfriend in the trunk. Anything that's going to make him innocent doesn't involve me. Like There are a bunch of questions Serial tried to raise, suggesting that, that this particular witness doesn't remember the exact time when Syed first showed him the body, but nothing has, has actually fully undermined the case against Adnan Syed. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether, whether this is just kind of a procedural snafu or whether they're going to look at the evidence again and maybe question whether Marilyn Mosby, a really headline-seeking DA, uh, is just attempting to seek another headline. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So I got to say, I, I'm so tired of celebrities apologizing for literally nothing. So Guy Pierce is a, he's a really good actor, Guy Pierce, one of the great underrated actors of our generation. And Guy Pierce put out a full-on apology letter today. The apology was for a tweet in which he said, quote, if trans actors are the only ones allowed to play trans roles, are we also suggesting trans actors are therefore only allowed to play trans characters? Okay, this seems like a perfectly logical question. If the basic idea is that you are only allowed to play a character who shares your identity characteristics, then trans actors should only be allowed to play trans characters. Obviously. You shouldn't have a trans woman playing a biological woman because they're not exactly the same thing. But this generated an online blowback. You're not allowed to say that. No, this is the, the rule is that a black person is allowed to play a historically white person, but a white person is not allowed to play a historically black person. The rule is that a trans person can play a biological woman, but a biological woman like Scarlett Johansson definitely cannot play a trans woman. Like these are things that we, we can't have happening. If, again, if you're a member of a victimized group, you can do whatever the hell you want. If you're a member of the victimizers group, or at least you are higher on the intersectional hierarchy of power. If you're higher on that, inter- then you certainly cannot take advantage of that position. So Guy Pierce questioned that. Now he's in real trouble. So he put out a letter. This sort of stuff is just pathetic malice, struggle session garbage. 
It's really stupid. Here is what the letter said. Quote, hello, everyone. I see that raising the question of gender identity within the casting process on a platform like Twitter was not a good idea. For that, I apologize enormously. I acknowledge it has only stirred up and inflamed attitudes and made us all dig our heels in. I take responsibility for that and, again, apologize for starting a fire. This is a subject that needs to be discussed face-to-face, person-to-person over a good amount of time and where we are all heard and understood. No, it isn't. This is a very, very simple subject. People should be able to play whoever the hell they want. That's it. If you're the best person for the part, you should win the part. I mean, like, this is, does it require a face-to-face conversation to say you, a man, should not play a woman because you're a man? I mean, and again, if you, of all you're saying is there's a set of rules, and the set of rules is members of identity groups can only play members of those identity groups, then... That means that members of every identity group can only play members of that identity group, period, right? The rule applies to everyone. This doesn't require a long conversation. What he's really apologizing for is having spoken. And, and the, here's the thing. His cowardice is going to have no impact on Guy Pierce, but it has impact on every other actor in Hollywood who now is now not as powerful as Guy Pierce and can't say the thing, right? When powerful people apologize before the mob, it's not just that they're doing something wrong. They are. They're doing something morally wrong. But they're also disincentivizing people who are not powerful from ever saying anything again. Because are you as powerful as Guy Pierce in American society? The answer is no. When people speak up loudly and clearly on subjects of public question, it's a good thing. When they don't apologize for speaking loudly and clearly, that's a good thing. Because it allows other people who don't have as much of a voice to also speak up loudly and clearly. Here's what Guy Pierce says. He says, I want to take this opportunity to say it is very clear to me that in many areas of life, discrimination, which should have no place in a modern society, unfortunately still thrives. Indeed, members of my own family have been subjected to different but every bit as pernicious prejudice. I understand how my question, asking if trans actors are the only ones allowed to play trans roles, then are we also suggesting trans actors are therefore only allowed to play trans characters, is insensitive. Why why is it insensitive? The point I wanted to raise was one about defending the definition of acting and nothing more. Throwing the subject onto one minority group in particular was unnecessary, especially from a man like me with a full house of privilege. I'm in no position to complain about fairness, at least not on my own behalf. Well, yes, you, you actually you are. Fairness, the principles of justice apply equally to everyone if the principles of justice fall like the rain. It is not that justice applies to one group and not to another group. That's not justice. That inherently violates the definition of justice. When you say something like, I'm not allowed to, I have a full house of privilege, so I can't speak to a generalized principle. What you're really saying is the only people who get to speak on matters of public concern are members of the victimized groups. And that's just crap. It's just stupid. So bad on Guy Pierce for having apologized for what is a perfectly legitimate and indeed logical point of view. Quote, again, sincere apologies for crassly focusing on just one already harassed minority in my original tweet. Ah, it's so tiresome. It's so damned tiresome. Alrighty, we've reached the end of today's show. We'll be back here with much, much more tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Uh-huh. 